and verse 11. How many have got Bibles with you this morning? That's awesome. Totally awesome. It's wonderful. Yeah. Praise God. Keep them on the dashboard of your car. Let them know that the, when you've pulled into Walmart, the nuts are here. Those Bible nuts got the Bibles on the dashboard. It's Christians. Praise God. Hallelujah. You want to let our light shine? And then you just get out of your car and be nice to everybody and be kind and they beep at you and, and uh, take your parking place. You just bless them. Thank you. I was hoping somebody would jump in there. <laughs> God will give you what it, whatever it is. All right, Psalm 16, verse 11. Um, you will show me the path of life. I want everyone to say with me, the path of life. The path of life. I want you to think Really think about that for a moment, what that might mean, the path of life. You will show me, the psalmist says to God, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So God, you will show me the path of life. Because in your presence is fullness of joy. Joy that doesn't wear out. Joy not dependent upon the circumstances, fullness of joy, and pleasures for every more. more. That's an interesting phrase in the Hebrew. It literally means um, to satisfy, to fill, to be beautiful, to bring delight. So we like those pleasures uh, that are for every more, evermore. And it has a connotation with it. I like it. It means appropriate, appropriate, appropriate uh, pleasures forevermore. So you will show me the path of life, the psalmist says. Well, people say, and I've heard it all my life, and it's absolutely the truth, life is a journey. And it is. Life is a journey. The paths, however, that you choose for your journey all take you somewhere. Every path is going to deposit you eventually somewhere. So you want to know, where do I want to be? Because whatever path your feet enter, that's where you're going to end up as long as you remain on that path. And with every step you take on a path that you choose, you choose its destination. A lot of people end up places and they say, I never chose this. I, I didn't want this. But they don't, re they don't remember that every day they got up and they put their foot on that path. That path was leading them somewhere. So every path Life is a journey. Every path has a destination. Fortunately, and it really is beautiful when you, when you consider it, we're going to consider it a little bit this morning, that God has put eternal life, eternal life. Think about what eternal life is for a moment. I'm going to tell you that God has put eternal life on a path. So eternal life is actually a path that you enter and that you walk in. So think about for a moment e eternal life. Eternal life is not never dying. I know that we think about that, uh, although that is a feature of eternal life. But even people who don't have eternal life, who are simply alive, who are simply existing, simply animated, their soul is eternal. Every soul is eternal. And uh, every path has a destination. So keep that in mind. So eternal life is not just life that doesn't end. 
It's life worth living. It's life in its fullest and most, most wonderful, replete sense. It's life, well, it's the life of God. It's, it's, it's the life that God flows from him. So God has put eternal life on a path. So know this, you can walk your journey through this world without being on the path of life. Just because you're alive, you're not on the path of life. The path of life must be chosen. So paths, as I said, have destinations. Listen to how Moses described this basic universal principle about paths having destinations. And Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 and 20, he says to the Israelites as they're about to enter, God has had them on a path. That path led them out from slavery, led them through the wilderness. Now that path is about to take them into the promised land where a great adventure for many years is going to begin to unfold. And God has already told them prophetically that his purpose is to enter that land and to drive out the, Can- the, the, the demon-worshipping Canaanites and to settle that land. And he gave them a vision of what, that, what their future was supposed to be. didn't always turn out that way, but God projected his prophetic image, his future. He showed them a picture of his will. So Moses is standing there. He's about to hand the baton over to Joshua. Moses is going to pass away and go to be with the Lord. His mission is over. And then he says to the Israelites, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, live by loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice and holding fast to him, for he is your life and your length of days, so that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, to give them. Now, when the Bible says, if God before us, who could be against us? Well, we could be against us. If God be for us, I mean, look at all he has done. I set before you life and death, and guess what? Choose. You get to choose. You get to choose. How many people in life complain? I have a terrible life. People keep just dumping on me. But God said, I set before you a path choice. Choose the path of life. And what I have prophesied will come to pass in your life. Now, they had to fight battles. They had to endure hardships. That is the way of the world. That is the way of living on the planet Earth under this present age until Maranatha, until Jesus comes back and the kingdom of God rules over the kingdoms of man. But in this present age, conflict is the nature of the world. But God's path is perfectly capable of enduring and overcoming conflicts. Can you say amen? So but I want you to understand what Moses said. Moses said, I call heaven and earth, that kind of covers everything, to testify against you, to witness and testify against you, and hold a record, an account that I have set before you, life and death. You have free access to choose the path of life and the 
And, and why did he say, I call heaven and earth the record? Because people are always putting their feet into a path that leads them to destruction and then saying, I never had a choice. I never had a choice. Moses said, I, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you always have a choice. And I set before you the choice of life. The problem is, is that people think life and death is a plan, not a path. They think that um, someone has to give them a plan and they'll go get that plan and they'll work that plan and that plan will bring life. But, but God has not put eternal life in a plan. We call it the plan of salvation, but the Bible calls it the path of salvation. It's not a plan. It's a path. Have you ever noticed that life is not a la carte? When you go to a restaurant, you order meals, and the price, you look at the price, you think, oh, man, I'm going to get that porterhouse steak, and it's only $175 or whatever. It's, that's, we're building back better, so, you know. Um, at any rate, you figure $175 porterhouse steak, I'm going to get, what, what's coming with that? Well, nothing, that's the steak. Well, what, where's the carrots? What about a potato? I want potato with some bacon on it and stuff. Well, that's a la carte. You have to go, you pay for every little item and add it to your plate. And so that could get rather expensive. Life, however, is not a la carte. You cannot, like a cafeteria, just go through and say, I'm going to pick the porterhouse, but I'd like this off of this menu and that off of that menu. The fact is, everything in life is found on one path or another. There's nothing in life that you can have without having to choose the path that it's on. Does that make sense? All right. Most frustration is caused by wanting happier circumstances, but unwilling to choose a better path. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because... Uh, you know, we get so strenuous with our frustrations. But the reality is, if you want happier circumstances, choose a better path. And it's just as simple as that. Where does frustration come from? Why does all this bad stuff keep happening to me? Well, you've got to choose a better path. Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to a person but its end is the way that leads to death. I love the Word of God. It just puts it right there, doesn't it? I mean, all the silly, wokest, idiotic thinking and people trying to imagine the world and change it with their minds can't change anything. Jesus said, who among you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to your stature. You can't change one hair of your head unless you're willing to use some hair color. The fact of the matter is, is that you just can't think away the things in the world that you like or don't like. The reality is, is that things are on a path. And Proverbs, I just love that. There is a way that seems right to a person. But that doesn't make it right. He said, but the end, remember every path has what? A destination. The end is the way that leads to death. Nobody gets on the path of death thinking that they're on the path of death. Nobody gets on the path of death saying, I really want a miserable life. And I want it to end badly. 
I want it to end prematurely. In fact, I want such a miserable life that when the end comes, I'm happy for it. I'm looking forward to it. Just to put an end to it. There is a way that seems right to a person. This is what's wrong with people who are addicted to plans. So as we pick these plans, and we think these plans are going to make life turn out for us. But there is a path called the path of life. And frustration also comes by wishing bad results would stop, but continuing to choose a bad path. You continue to choose the path of trouble, what are you going to get? Proverbs 13, 15 says, the way of the transgressor is hard. The way of the transgressor is hard. My life is hard. Everything about it is hard. Nothing is easy. Everything is hard. You might be on the path of the transgressor. I can't tell you that. I'm not a judge. I'm not in a position to judge. But I certainly could pose the question you should ask yourself. So let's talk about the difference uh, between paths and plans. Today's message is a little different in that it's a little philosophical. I want to put a paradigm. Uh, Antonio's an engineer. You'll probably appreciate um, a paradigm or a system of thinking. I want to give you a little machine that you can stick in your intellect. And this machine will work for you. It's like somebody giving you a key, but you don't know what door it goes to. And they tell you, just hold on to this key because it's going to mean something to you at some point. This key is going to really unlock some important stuff for you. So you've got the key. It's got value, but at the moment, you don't know what that value is. So <laughs> I'm probably going to give you a message today that has value, but you're going to sit there and go, well, I don't really get the value of this message. I don't really know what I'm getting out of this message. You will get something out of this message. If it's not this morning, it's something you can use. It's a paradigm. It's a thought. It's a key that will help you to process the Word of God, process your life, evaluate what's going on in the world, what's going on in your life, and how to navigate through life successfully. So it's a paradigm. This thing I want to talk about, I'm call, uh, I'd probably call it paths and plans. What is the difference between a path and a plan? And why is that important to God? Why is that important to us? Well, as I said before, eternal life is a plan. God has engineered reality so that eternal life is stretched out before us as a plan. And that's why life is a journey. Life is a journey, by the way, because we're all headed somewhere. So eternal life is a path. Did I say where eternal life is a plan? Yes, yes. I thought so. I thought I heard something wrong in my ears. Yeah, eternal life is a path. Is a path. Let me correct that. Eternal life is a path. Not a plan. It's not a, a plan. So when God came into the world 2,000 years ago, Jesus didn't come as Jesus the plan. He came as Jesus what? In John, he said, I am the way, truth, and the life. All those three expressions describe walking on a path. Not a plan, but a path. I am the way. So when God comes into the world, he comes as the way. And walking with him does what? It brings fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Lord, you will show me the path of life. 
In your presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. That's why the disciple John was hugging another man, hanging on him, head on his chest. There's a challenge for you guys. At the Last Supper, it's Jesus, and John just got his head on Jesus' chest, just hanging on him. And the amazing thing is, if it were me, I would have said, dude, and just kind of shoved him over and said, finish your potatoes. But Jesus is there talking, apparently, and he's got this, uh, this guy attached to him. So John is attached to Jesus. Why? Because flowing out of Jesus is heaven. Flowing out of Jesus is eternal life. Jesus didn't empty villages and towns, and they go streaming out into the wilderness because he was an orator or because he was a magician. It's because he was the path of life. And life flowed out from him. Love flowed from him. Everything beautiful in your presence, fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. And that was streaming out of Jesus. John had been walking with Jesus for quite some time, and he just didn't want to be anywhere but with Jesus. So he's just hanging on Jesus. So Jesus is the way. Walking with him brings that fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. Now, we tend to be addicted to plans. We like plans because we can control plans, or at least a plan gives you a sense of control. Can I say that? You would probably agree. You may not always be in control, but you have a sense of control. You have a sense of, here's the plan. I'm thinking about it. I'm figuring it out. We're going to put this plan to work, and I'm going to work this plan. So we like to feel like we are in charge of doing something. It, it, we need to feel in control. And I think the reason for that is we live in a world that is, seems to be out of control. There's much that comes in life that comes at us that seems that it's just not only disturbing, but it seems that it, there's no control behind it. So we like plans. But just keep in mind that when I tell you that eternal life is not a plan, it's a path, the law was a plan. What God gave Moses, that was a plan. And the law failed because it was a plan. Man cannot save himself with a plan. That's basically the message of the law, is that man cannot bring himself out of the state of sin and the spiritual death that it puts him under and make himself alive with a plan. It will not work. And that's why the law failed is because a plan will not work. You cannot produce life with a plan. That's what the law basically told us. So, however, we can receive life by following Jesus. Jesus leads us into life. When you enter the path of life, when you take hold of Jesus and, and let him come into your heart, into your life, you are alive. He leads you into life. So, and Jesus says, I will lead you. There's, plans aren't bad. God's got plans, and they're good ones. I think God has great plans. But he's got them. He's got them. And the way those plans work in our life is we... We follow Jesus, and he leads us into God's plan. He doesn't always let us be the ones that work those plans out, but that plan's working. 
The plan's working. What are you concentrating on? You're not concentrating on the plan. You're concentrating on the path. Does that make sense? Did you know that the church in the book of Acts six times was referred to as not the church or not Christians, but the way? Christianity was not called Christianity. Christianity in the Bible was called the way. Why? Because it, it's a path, the path of life. Most people rely on plans. But if you truly want to have life, rely on the path, the path of life. Leave the plan to God. And let me give you an example. Let's make this, let's make this practical. Let's talk about areas in our lives where we usually try to implement a plan so that our life will go well. And I want to I present in each of these examples how instead of trying to be successful in life with a plan, try walking on the path with Jesus and see if that doesn't produce happiness and get you where you want to go. Marriage. How many people are or have been married? Praise the, the yeah. The Diarmas kids don't need to raise their hands, I know. Yeah, being betrothed is not the same as being married. I know you guys are already betrothed to the Trimble girls and all that. Some, there's some sort of thing all worked out there, but. At any rate, okay, so most people, most people have been married or are married. You understand marriage. Well, look, I think, when I started to think about, well, where, what are the areas in life where we most rely on plans? I think marriage was one of the first, the first things I thought about. But if you marry and you want to be happy, you're not going to find happiness. You're really not in a carefully scheduled plan that plots out your, your finances and your career and where you're going to insert children along the way. You've got it all plotted out, charted out. Because those plans sometimes fall apart. And, and those plans sometimes don't work. But we, we tend to say, my marriage is going to be good because I've got a good plan. In fact, the timing. We don't get married until certain plans have been worked out. By the way, I am not saying that planning is a bad thing. But it should not be the thing that we consult first and primarily. It shouldn't be our plan. Do your best to have a plan. But get on the path. And if the path of life, the path of eternal life, deviates or your plan, then you need to modify the plan. Amen? So you understand that you can marry and you can, you can project and plot. You can say, we're going to get through school and we're going to set ourselves up in business and we're going to have so much money in the bank and then we're going to have kids. Well, yeah, that's exactly the way Kathy and I didn't do it. And this, this July 16th, we'll be celebrating our 50th wedding anniversary. Yeah. So, and not once did we ever think of divorce. Murder crossed our mind. <laughs> Many times, but never, never divorce. So the point is, Kathy, uh, how, how much money did we say we were going to save up before we got married? Yeah, I think we had 20 bucks. Did we have maybe 20 bucks? 
So at any rate, yeah, we, we definitely, we, we took the plan that, that comes under the heading, whatever you do, don't do this if you want to have a happy marriage. But along came the kids and everything else, but guess what? The one thing we did do is we made sure our feet were on the path of life. We were following Jesus. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, along the way, family and friends said, you people are crazy. You're not going to make it. You are building destruction into your marriage. This is no way to have, have a marriage. Three days after we were married, I took her 1,500 miles away from her home to a place, a land where she had, had never been. Hank, could you do something about those blinds? Just make sure they stop doing what they're doing. Thank you. Um, 1,500 miles away from home, three days after we were married, you'd think I would, had prepared a wonderful home and, and like the Lifetime movies and everything. We, I took her to a an empty, abandoned institutional building where we slept on the floor. A mattress, we had a mattress, no sheets. And that was our beginning. That was our wonderful, glorious, glorious beginning. You would think, how did you end up with kids? <laughs> but at any rate, so the happiness that you seek in your marriage, you know where it's found? In the daily walking on the path of life. That's where the grace is. That's where the contentment. That's where the joy is. That's where the love is found. That's where the success in marriage is found. That's where the restarts. That's where the resurrection is. You know, marriages don't last as long as ours do because they have a love that never dies. They last as long as ours do because there's a lot of resurrections. There's a lot of restarts. There's a lot of raising of the dead and uh, um, a lot of grace and a lot of, uh, a lot of God's love. Praise the Lord. Let's talk about work and business. Work careers and business, that's another area where we tend to, we tend to go at it with a plan. If I, I, I've got a plan and, and my plan is going to make me happy. Well, many who trust their plans for business to produce fullness of joy and pleasures for any, evermore, when they do arrive at their success, they arrive empty. How many people have achieved success and they've said, that when they've written their memoirs or testified, I was empty when I got there. It cost me my family. I, I arrived at the, my business success, but I'm divorced. I've been divorced twice. Or I'm here, but I'm not satisfied. Or I'm successful, I'm here, but I'm, a, I'm dragging three addictions along with me. I'm not free. The, the truth is... The truth is that a plan is not what makes you successful. And being successful in the world's eyes is simply the delusion that the path that leads to death, remember the way of the transgressor's heart, or in other words, a way that seems right to a man, but the end leads you. You're not, you think you're going uphill just long enough to convince you, stay on this path, and then it drops you. And then you're down the other side and you've, you've hit bottom. And the reality is 
that it is the path of life. The path of life is where success in business truly comes from. Listen to what James says in the New Testament. In James 4, 13 through 15. Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town and we will be there a year. We'll do business there and make a profit. But how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? I'm reading from the Bible. This is in the Word of God. Your life is like a morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say, rather, is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. What's he saying? We're on the path. We're following the Lord. And his will will be worked out. What we're working at is not a plan. We're working at following Jesus. Praise the Lord. True satisfaction in work or in business is found the very moment you put your first step on the path of life. You want to know why? Because it brings contentment. It brings contentment. There are too many people whose lives are on hold waiting to be content once they reach a certain level of success in their, in their projects or in their business. And then, they'll be, then they will be happy. Then they'll be content. But the very moment you enter the path of life, God fills your heart with contentment. God wants you to live content, not live towards contentment. Does that make sense to you? That's why it's called the path of life. You're alive while you're walking on it. There's nothing like being grateful and being content that will lead to wealth. What was that great quote Kathy told me about that Cicero made, the great um, Roman philosopher and orator? Nothing so uh, guts a man's soul as discontentment, something like that. Ungratefulness. And being on the path of life makes you a grateful person, a truly grateful person. When you are stripped of a grateful heart and ingratitude drives a lot of people towards their plans, that peace is never going to be the, the farther you go, the farther away from that peace you're going to get. But Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 and 6. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Let's talk for a moment about prosperity. Prosperity is a subject for poor people and rich people and people in the middle and everyone in between. Prosperity is part of what, what God has in his plan for our life, to prosper us, to meet our needs. Prosperity doesn't mean making you rich. Prosperity just simply means being full, having your needs filled. Well, your plans for prosperity can be overthrown by the enemy. The devil can overturn your plans for prosperity. You can have a great plan for prosperity, but that plan has to, it's subject to the world, and the world can wreck plans. But when, you, when your plan is to follow Jesus on the path of life, and that's what you focus on, that's what you work on, the prosperity in the kingdom of God can never be overthrown. It can never be overturned. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 through 9, where I just quoted uh, godliness with contentment, brings great profit. He goes on to say, For we have brought nothing into this world, and so we cannot take a single thing out either. 
So here, you, again, you see life is a journey. We go in, we are going to come out. We are at one point going to leave this temporary career in the world. So when we go in, no matter what you've accumulated, when you go out, you leave it all behind. And you will not take a single thing out either, Paul writes. But he goes on to say, but if we have food and shelter, we will be satisfied with that. Those who long to be rich, however, stumble into temptation and a trap of many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. That is what trusting plans can end up leading you to, is emptiness or ruin or destruction. Because we want to have that sense of control rather than stewardship. You see, I'm not advocating, and I don't believe the Bible advocates, living an uncontrolled life. I believe that we should live a life following Jesus on the path of life, and that makes us stewards. We're not ones who are working a plan in control of a plan. We are simply being stewards of what God has given us. And daily as we follow Jesus, he tells us how to handle those stewardships, how to work what he has put under our hand. Listen, one thing about the path of life, the path of life is not a fairy tale. Um, The path of life stretches across valleys. It goes down through the darkest valleys. It climbs and goes over mountaintops. It passes through fires and floods. The path of life does not avoid the hardships of this world. It goes right through them. Praise the Lord. And your heavenly Father, He has a plan. He said in Jeremiah, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. He has a plan to carry you through those storms, through those valleys, and over that mountaintop. But how do you, how do you get in that plan? You don't do it by trying to control your life with plan. First of all, God is not going to open up the secret and tell you his plans. He may show you some little pictures or visions, but if you think about it, you can come up with why it's probably not a good idea for God to fling back the curtain and show us everything that's going to happen. Because some of the things in God's plan, we would go find another path. If we knew when Jesus said, get in the boat, we're going across to the other side, we're going across the lake, he didn't bother to tell them that they were going to probably die or perish in a storm that blew up a tempest in the middle of the lake. Why didn't he tell them? Because there in the middle of the lake, he already had grace prepared to get them through it. So why tell them? They wouldn't get in the boat if he told them. So what did he say to them? Get in the boat. We're going across to the other side. See, when you follow Jesus, if you really listen to him, when you hit that storm halfway across, you'll remember he said, oh, we're going across to the other side. When they threw Peter in prison and he was going to be executed in the morning, why did he not freak out, howling and crying and carrying on all night, knowing he only had hours to live? Because he remembered Jesus on the shores of Galilee's lake, saying to him, when you're old, someone is going to lead you where you don't want to go. And Peter just kicked back and said, whoa, I'm not old yet. So 
It's not going to end tomorrow. See, when you follow Jesus, he, he knows how to comfort you. Some of the things he says may not sound very comforting. When, when Jesus said to Peter, when you're old, someone's going to bind your hands and lead you where you don't want to go. Well, thanks. That's, that's, that's a big comfort to me. Knowing. No wonder he looked at John and said, well, what's he get? Because I don't like what was under the tree for me. What's John going to get? But what Jesus gave Peter was wonderful because it saved him from losing his mind when he was tossed into jail under a sentence of execution in his younger years. When you follow Jesus on the path of life, what did Jesus say? In John chapter 10, he said, My sheep listen to my voice. That's how we journey through life. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me. And he is more powerful than anyone else. For no one can snatch them from my Father's hand. Did you know that God can succeed with a bad plan? But even the best plans don't succeed without God. But God, God can succeed with a, with, a, with a poor plan. I mean, what do you call fighting a 10-foot giant with a, with a sling and a rock? I'd say that was a bad plan. What about attacking a massive army with a praise team? Not a great plan. Or feeding a multitude of 5,000 men, plus the women and children, probably about 15,000, 20,000 people, with one happy meal. God, did you see, do you understand? God does not worry about plans. You might think, oh, this is going to work out great. I've got a great plan. God has done more with stupid plans than you will ever do with your great plan. So you, you're better off to just get on the path and follow Jesus every day and just see where the journey takes you. Praise the Lord. There is no great plan that can survive outside the path of life. The human history, 6,000 years of human history, if it tells us anything, it tells us that the greatest plans fall apart eventually. The greatest empires crumble eventually. The greatest plans and purposes of men fail eventually. But the path of life, praise the Lord, it is the path of eternal life for a reason. So in life, we most often, and I kind of want to bring this around to our altar call this morning. Isn't it true that in life we, we often find ourselves as victims of someone else's evil plans? The people in the Ukraine today would would probably say, yeah, boy, that is really true. We, I am the victim of somebody's evil plans. And in smaller ways, we can, we can see that in life, we are constantly being affected by other people's bad plans. I didn't want this. Gas prices, food prices, economic realities, cultural things, relational things. I mean, we are, we are all very interconnected. And as a result of it, what people plan, let's just stick with people for a minute. What people plan 
imposes upon us all kinds of things that we don't want. You can try your best to not expose yourself to the plans of people, but the fact of the matter is that they're going to get you. And then throw into the mix Satan's plans, the master strategist. And Satan devises plans against us. We are oftentimes affected by the plans of people, evil plans, bad plans, and satanic plans. But I want you to remember that there are examples like Joseph in the Bible, and they are there for a specific reason. These are real examples of people who got on a path that overcame evil plans. And they're there to show us what Moses tried to tell the people before they entered the promised land, a path trumps a plan. The right path will overcome a bad plan. And a great path will always take you farther than a great plan. And he said, I call heaven and earth to witness today that the path of life has been put in front of you. You can choose it. Joseph is a tremendous example because he had a vision that God gave him. God had a plan for Joseph's life. And then as quickly as he saw what that was, and Joseph made a commitment from his heart, I'm going to get on the path. And he got on the path of, of life as a young man, and he was walking with God. The next thing that happens, he's a slave in a foreign country. And it all goes downhill from there. I'm sure that you know the story. But evil plans of other people ruined, wrecked, Joseph's life took years of his life away from him. Yet the whole time, he never left the path of life. As he went down into that dark prison, he went down there not walking in the plan that Satan was imposing on him, but walking in the path of life. He worshiped God in that place. And everywhere he went, including the prison, the path elevated him. And in a moment, he went from the darkest prison to becoming prime minister of the greatest empire on the face of the earth in one day, in one day. The path of life can, cannot be overcome by bad or evil plans, but the path of life will overcome evil plans. If you'll stay on that path, glory to God, hallelujah. If you'll stay on that path, watch God. Watch God superimpose his plan over all of Satan's efforts in your life. What's going on right now in your life? What area of your life is, is being impeded or affected by a bad plan? The answer this morning is to make sure you're on the path of life. Put both feet in the path of life. Set your eyes on Jesus. Do exactly what Moses said. Therefore, choose life so that you and your offspring may live by loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him, holding fast to Jesus. For he is your life. He is your length of day so that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them so that you can inhabit the promises of God and all that God has for you. Love him follow Jesus, the path supersedes all plans. Amen. Amen.
Close your Bible and stand with me this morning. We want to act on this this morning. And um, I know that, like I said, I've given you a key. It's a little bit rough, and you might be thinking, well, he said there's a lot of value here. I don't really see the value in all of this. It's kind of abstract. You will see it. Think path and plan. As you leave this church this morning and you think about what you're involved with, ask yourself, am I following a plan or am I following a path? And it's okay to execute a plan. It's okay to, to uh, work a plan, but make sure that you're doing it because you're on the path and it's what the Lord is leading you to do. Amen. So I want you to think now for a moment about your life. Think about what's going on right now. And if there are things that are, well, you just don't know about them, do you? They're just, how come these things are happening? They might be wrong. They might not be wrong. Every day for years of Joseph's life, he had to wake up and look at his life in ruin and bad things. Yet he kept his eyes on his maker. And God had a plan and brought him through. And so I want you to pray with me this morning and let's ask the Father to guide us. Lord, my sheep, hear my voice, Jesus said. Lord, open my ears and let me hear your voice. Speak to me out of your word so that I can obey your word and follow what you're saying. If I don't understand exactly what in your word you want me to do, guide me and give me wisdom. In all of my getting, help me to have understanding. Let's pray that this morning, because in the path of life, that's where the understanding and the wisdom and the grace is. Pray with me. Almighty God, I thank you that, Lord, life is in you. And you came into the world as Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, I embrace you. I follow you. We put our trust in you. And we believe that you have welcomed us to the path of life and that we are progressing to a destination. We are heading home. We are heading into our purpose, the eternal purpose for which you created us. But along the way, Lord, we need your wisdom and your direction. Lord, most of what we're involved with is over our head. We're not sure exactly what to do, but we are sure that we can hear your voice. We are sure that we can see you, Jesus. We are certain that if we ask for help, you'll, you'll give it. You said if any man lack wisdom and ask, you will give that wisdom. You said acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. He will direct your path. We ask you to direct our path today. Let it be a personal prayer from your heart. Ask him Solve my problems by directing my path, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. And now before we finish, if you're right now hearing this message and you're not on the path of life, you can be on the path of life before we say amen at the end of this prayer. Your eternal destination can change. You can go from the path you're on to the path of life. Jesus will put you there. He will personally take you out of that path of destruction. He will put you on the path of life. You say, there's so much involved. My life is entangled. He can detangle the tangle. 
He can work it out. Trust Him. He is the Prince of Peace. He will lead you into peace. He is the Prince of Life. He can bring you into life. So I'd like you to pray this with me, asking Jesus Christ, the living God, to come into your life and to be Lord of your life and let Him put you on the path of life. Father, I come to you. I believe that you are Jesus, the eternal God, that you came into this world, that you paid the penalty on the cross for my sins. I receive your forgiveness. I ask you, Lord, to give me a new life and redirect me. Take me from the path of darkness. Take me from the way of transgression. Put my feet on the path of life and let the gift of the Holy Spirit come and live in me and light my way every day in Jesus' name. And amen. Praise the Lord. Before we release you with a blessing, is there anybody here this morning that you would appreciate for a moment to have special prayer for healing, for a, a situation that needs deliverance in your life, a breakthrough, something where the enemy has just been fighting you and um, praise God, you, you want to let the Lord fight that battle for you and you want, you'd like prayer. Let me see your hand. Anybody, special prayer? 